He is trustworthy. And so even in something as, as simple, as worthless, as meaningless as a football game, I can, it can still point our attention to, to God to remind us of how good he is. Tonight we're going to be looking in James chapter 3. We're going to be focusing on uh, verse 13 down through verse 18. But tonight, if you have your Bibles and we'll turn to James chapter 3, we're going to read this chapter together. And then the, the goal tonight, the purpose of tonight, is we want to look at these verses. Um, and we're really going to be seeing uh, a big contrast. Uh, as, as you know, that many, many of the things of this world are completely different than than what God has planned for us because of because of sin because of the fallen nature they are completely different than than what God um, God's will God's initial plan and here we're going to be kind of looking at the things of this world and then also looking at uh, the things of God as applied to wisdom uh, James chapter three and verse one. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at the ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, yet they are turned about by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how a great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless God and Father, and with it we curse men who are made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envying and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to your word, we are in desperate need of of wisdom. Lord, I ask that you, your spirit would guide us as we look at these verses that it would be you that is leading in this, that it would not be um, what, what I say, that it wouldn't be what our hearts desire, but that your spirit would lead, that you would challenge us, 
that you would use this to draw us near to you. Lord, I, I thank you for your spirit's hand. I thank you for its leading in our life. I thank you for your word that we can look to it, that it is truth, that it, it teaches us about you, that it, it teaches us uh, how we ought to live. Lord, help us to apply these verses to our lives that we could grow in you tonight. And may you get all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. In James 1 and verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So tonight we are going to be looking at wisdom from above or wisdom from below or from this world. And as I said, what we really see here is a major contrast of wisdom, if you want to call it. Um, I don't know if I would say wisdom from this world, whether that is, that's not really wisdom, because wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective, seeing things from God's perspective. Um, A few years ago when we did young men's basic training, uh, Sean Stone, who was here, um, and he was an army recruiter, he had with him, I don't know what they call them, but uh, alcohol goggles. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't, know, I don't know what you call them, but you, you, they're goggles that you put on, and they, they are supposed to show what it's like if you are under the influence of alcohol. And so we were in the, the Lucas School in the gym, and he had us doing something as simple as we were a couple feet from the basket. We had to shoot and make the basket, and then he gave us these goggles to put on, and we had to try to do the same function. And it was, it was kind of funny watching people do it because – we weren't even hitting the backboard. And what was, what was he trying to show? He was trying to show the power of alcohol and how it can influence your senses. Now, we put those goggles on, and it completely changed everything. I mean, you'd see people start to, to lean and fall over. Because we had those goggles on, it changed our view. It changed how we function. Something as simple as making a basket. It completely changed it because... Because our view was different. Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. Wisdom should completely change our view. How we see things. How we see ourselves. How we look at others. It will completely change that. Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. In the first part of this passage, here in verses 13 and and after that, we see something that uh, is contrary to God's wisdom. And what we're going to call this is the wisdom from the world. And here we see, starting out, he says in verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But he says, but if you have bitter envying, bitter envying, this is uh, what is meant here is a sharp jealousy or something that is cutting. Um, obviously, it stems from bitterness. Um, the, word, the word bitterness or the word bitter means something that is relentless. And for me, that really helped because bitterness is something that, that you hold on to. You're relentless in it. Um, there's, no, there's no giving up. So the wisdom of the world is bitter envy. It is cutting. It is destructive. And it's something that is relentless. Now, we are going to be looking at that the differences between the wisdom of the world 
and the wisdom that comes from following God, from being committed to him, as we heard this morning. But not only is it bitter envy, but we also see that it is self-seeking. It is self-seeking, living for self, or um, it's also put as strife. And you, you can put those together because if you have self-seeking, you have strife. Um, over and over, we've, we've talked with, with our kids when they're fighting. Um, they're, they're not agreeing, you know, they're fighting over a toy. And I, I say to them, are you willing, Emory and Cora, can you, are you will, if you guys are fighting over something, and I say, are you willing to what for them? Are you willing to share or give up your rights for them? Because why? There's self-seeking going on, which leads to strife. Now, it's easy to spot that in a three-year-old and a five-year-old, isn't it? Or it's easy to spot that in kids. Normally, it gets really loud really quickly, and there's screaming and yelling going on. But we do the exact same thing, and this happens even in the church. We're, we're see, seeking things, maybe even positions in the church, to gratify self. And as we saw this morning, we can, all these things, job, um, we can do the family, whatever it might be, we can do it to gratify self. But if, if it goes on, sooner or later that will lead to strife. What happens? You have your job. You're doing it for self, and they don't treat you the way that you think you ought to be treated, the way that you want to be treated. And what happens? Well, there's probably going to be some bitter envying going on, and there's going to be strife. What happens in your family? You're living for self, and, and you wake up in the morning, and you think, oh, man, I know there's some monster cookies out there. This is going to go perfect with my coffee this morning. And you get out there, and somebody ate them all. And your day is ruined. That that's simple. And all of a sudden there's contention, there's strife because we're living for self. This is obviously the opposite of humility, which is dying to self. So the wisdom of the world is self-seeking. It is opposite of what a follower of Christ should be. Uh, we should have a servant's heart. And we just saying, make me a servant like you, dear Lord. Dying to self, surrendering, and surrendering to Christ. So the wisdom of the world is self-seeking. But the wisdom of the world is also, along with that, boastful. Um, It is arrogance. It is self-glory. It is boasting. Instead of boasting in Christ, it is boasting in self. And when arrogance is a nor is a norm for someone, it shows that we do not have the wisdom that is from above. When our life is full of pride, when it's full of self-seeking, when it is boastful in self, what we are saying is, I may be a child of God's, but I have, I'm living by the wisdom of the world, not the wisdom that is from above. So it is boastful And it lies against the truth. It lies against the truth. If we claim to love God, but we are, as these first things that we mentioned, if we are seeking self, 
if we are bitter, if we are holding grudges, if we are boastful, what we are doing is we are lying. Our actions are lying against the truth. They are lying against what we claim to be. If we are filled with these things and claim to be a follower of Christ. Now, the goal is to look at these things and say, are there any areas of in my life that maybe I am holding on to bitterness? And instead of instead of giving it to God and letting him deal with it, as Romans 12 says that vengeance is his. Instead of surrendering it to him, I'm holding on to this. We need to examine our lives, not, oh, is, any, is this happening in anywhere in the church? Where can I see that people aren't living from the wisdom that is from above? We need to look at our lives. Where is it that maybe I may be speaking the truth, but my actions are saying that I am lying against the truth? Well, in this passage, it goes on and it says, but if you have bitter envying and self-seeking in your hearts, do... Do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above. He says this wisdom is not from above. This is not from God. Uh, If you look at those things, it's clear that this is not from God. But, he says, it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. And this is kind of earthly, sensual, and demonic is kind of a progression that he is, is sharing here. Um, It is earthly, the wisdom that is from the world. It is opposite of that which is eternal. It is temporal. Um, It does not have eternal value. It does not have uh, foresight. It is not looking to, to heaven. It is not looking to eternity, but it is wrapped up in the things of this earth. So the wisdom that is here that we find is earthly. It is focused solely on the things of this earth. But he says, not only do we see earthly, it is opposite of the eternal, we also see that it is sensual. It is not from the spirit, but it is from the flesh. It is not a fruit of the spirit. It is not love, joy, peace, but it is a fruit that comes from the flesh. Um, It comes from man's lower nature. Uh, turn over to um, 1 Corinthians 2.14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And verse 14. It says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Right there in verse 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit. The wisdom of this world is fleshly. It is sensual. But then he even goes a step further and he says it is devilish or it is demonic. It is coming straight from the devil. Do you, ever, do you ever look around at things that are happening in the world today? You see, I mean, if you turn on the news at all, you hear things that you say, 
Man, that is just evil. Pure evil. That, that there's no other words for it. The things that are going on. And sometimes you might find yourself marveling like, man, why is there so much? How could somebody do it? Because the wisdom that they are receiving is the wisdom of the world that we see here in James. That is earthly, it is sensual, and even more so, it is demonic. It is from the devil. Um, What was it that he promised Adam and Eve? He promised that they would be wise like God. He said that you will be, God is lying to you. You will be like God if you eat of this fruit. It was a lie straight from the devil. It can be a powerful wisdom, though. Um, It can be a powerful uh, thing, the wisdom that is from the devil. So we see here that it is it is something that is completely contrary to to God. And if we continue on in these verses in verse 16, um, it says, for where envying and self-seeking exist. Confusion and every evil thing are there. That's that's where we are right now. Confusion. There's confusion everywhere you turn. People, is this right? Is this right? Um, I can't say bad against this. You don't know what you're able to say. There's confusion and there's every evil work there. Because that's where we've been getting our advice from the things of this world but in verse 17 it says but the wisdom that is from above is first pure purity is first because this takes us back to the holiness of god this is based on god's holiness and it is also something that we cannot do in and of ourselves we only can know pure purity in our lives as we surrender to him as we receive him as our savior and we receive the purity of jesus christ because god is pure he requires his followers to be pure as well turn to first peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 15 Uh, Verse 13, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. That he requires purity. This is the first step, and this is important. The wisdom that is from above is first pure. But then he goes on and he said, it is also peaceable. Uh, It is an outgrowth of our purity. It is an outgrowth of walking with him, of growing in him, of living a peaceable life. If someone is constantly causing conflict and problems and, and as people see them come near they oh man what are they gonna what are they going to complain about what are they going to what are they going to do this time it's a sign that they are not walking in godly wisdom if 
every, every area of your life, if you say, boy, I have conflict in every area of my life, you're probably not walking from the wisdom that is from above. It begins in purity, but then it also is peaceful. Godly wisdom is peaceful. Um, goes on and says that the wisdom that is from above is also gentle. As we looked at, at self-seeking causes strife. But as we seek Christ, it causes us gentleness. Instead of strife coming in, we see gentleness. In Matthew 11 and verse 29, a verse that you're familiar with, take my yoke upon you and learn of me because why? I am gentle. I am meek. I am gentle. And meekness is strength under control. Strength under control. Um, In 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 1, it says, now I, Paul, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in the presence I am base among you, but being absent, I am bold toward you. What does Paul point us to? He points us to the meekness and gentleness of Christ. The wisdom that is from above is gentle. Does that mean, does the gentleness mean that you just go along with everything? Absolutely not. Jesus took a stand for truth in every area. He never, he never submitted, oh, I guess I'll just go along. But it says that he was meek and gentle. So the wisdom that is from above is gentle, but then we also see it says it is willing to yield. And what, what you look at here, what it is saying is wisdom that is from above is teachable. It is teachable. It is willing to take instruction from others. In, in James 1 and verse 19, it says, My beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. That as followers of Christ, we ought to be the most teachable people around. We ought to. That doesn't mean that if somebody is giving you bad advice that you have to go along with it. We ought to be wise, but we ought to be willing to yield to instruction. If we are seeking the things of self, there's no way that we're going to be teachable. If I'm living for self, I probably have all the answers already. I probably don't need any answers from anyone else. But as I surrender to Christ, I know that he uses other people in my life to teach me about him and to teach me his will. So be willing to learn. Submit to others. First of all, submit to God, but then submit to others. Then we see that the wisdom that is from above is full of mercy and good fruit. In Matthew 5 and verse 7, says Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We are to receive the mercy from God and then to extend it to others. So instead of just receiving it, receiving it, receiving it, and sitting here and saying, oh, this is so wonderful, we are to then extend that to others. So he says, full of mercy, but on top of that, mercy and good fruit, or mercy and good deeds. 
it shouldn't just be about receiving, but it ought to lead to good deeds. God's wisdom is practical. It should cause us to be filled with good works. Um, in 1 John 3 and first verse 18, we are to love in deed and in truth, that our love of him should cause us to have good works. And then he says, without partiality or not taking sides. The wisdom that is from above is not about picking a side to be on and going with that unless it is, hey, I'm on God's side. Who is on the Lord's side, the song that, that we sing? I'm on God's side. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to meddle with picking sides in this life. It also means an unwavering loyalty to God or, as we heard this morning, commitment. I am committed to Jesus Christ, and if my job interferes, well, that's too bad. I'm committed to Christ. If my family interferes, that's too bad. I'm committed to Christ. It means an unwavering loyalty to him. And then he says, without hypocrisy. Wisdom that is from above is real. It's sincere. There's no game playing. There's no acting. This, it's not putting on a mask to look a certain way. It is real. Without hypocrisy. Um, the person characterized by wisdom from heaven will be trustworthy and transparent. Trustworthy and transparent. So just, just look at these, these things. The wisdom that is from the world is bitter, envying, self-seeking, boastful, uh, earthly, sensual, devilish. Or the wisdom that is from above, that is far superior, that is far greater, is pure. It is peaceful. It is gentle. It is teachable. It is full of mercy and good works. It is not taking sides. It is without hypocrisy. It is trustworthy and transparent. So looking at your life, am I seeing things from God's perspective? Do I have the goggles on that are helping me see things through God's perspective? Or am I seeing them through my own? You could almost take, say, your Bible is your, your goggles. If I'm in God's word, I'm seeing things through his perspective. But if I set it down, if I leave it, I'm doing okay. Things are going fairly well. Chances are I'm looking at things through my own perspective, which is not wisdom that is from above. So are we seeing things? Are we living a life of wisdom? Remember, as James said in verse 22 of chapter 1, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Or maybe for tonight we could say, be doers of the word and not just seers only. Are we doing? Are we practicing wisdom that is from above? Or are we seeing in our life contention, strife, difficulty, bitterness? Are we living a life that is above this world? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is perfect in every way. Um, because you are perfect in every way. Lord, I thank you that your will, your plan, your wisdom is so far above uh, anything that, that we see in this life. Lord, I thank you that 
you you say in uh, James 1 that if we lack wisdom, that we should ask of you and you give it freely to all. What, what a wonderful promise that that is, that um, daily, moment by moment, we ought to be making sure that our goggles are on so that we see things from your perspective. Lord, may we as your followers, as your children, not lie against the truth by living contrary to what we claim. But may we be committed to you that each day that you give us, that we wake up, that we may say, today I am renewing my commitment to walk in you, to live for you, and to grow in you. Lord, thank you for working in us, that you, do, that you don't give up on us. Thank you that you love us, and uh, I thank you that you have given us the hope of, of heaven, that we can look to that one day the, the struggle of where our commitment will be will be over, and we can finally know complete commitment and complete rest in you. Lord, we love you and we give you thanks tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed.